What's up and welcome back to the Kind of Funny Screencast and welcome back to a galaxy far, far away. Of course, I'm Tim Geddes and I'm joined by the sad boy himself, Barrett Courtney. Tim, I'm ready to talk about a Star Wars again. It's been too long and I'm so glad to be here with the Star Wars crew to talk about some Star Wars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the rest of the Star Wars crew, of course, also includes Pixel Circus's own Sage Ryan Sage with a brand new haircut. How you doing? Thank you. Um, I would love to look a little more alien for this, but I am serving this Earth's Halloween, unfortunately. Yes, I'm ready to exactly. talk about a Star War. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would this you say Earth's that- Halloween? This Earth's Halloween. Do you want to get involved in the in the race for the the Halloween King? Because I feel like you're deserving more than Greg Miller or Blessing will ever be. Fucking come at me, guys. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. And rounding out our group for today, he survived a truck accident. It's Anthony Carboni. Anthony, how the hell are you doing? Are you okay? Tim Geddes, I literally got hit by a truck on Sunday night so hard that my shoes flew off my feet like a cartoon character and landed 10 feet from my body. And I am here to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> Something's never changed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, real talk though. Like, right, what what is the the condition of your body? <laughs> I am not going to go into that here in mixed company. It is gross, but I am fine. Good. And uh, and I'm and I am really enjoying Andor. Good, 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 good. That is what matters. Everybody, go send some sweet nasty love to Anthony Carboni wherever you would like to do that on the social medias and all that stuff. But enough of all of that. We have things to talk about because this is the kind of funny screencast where each and every week we get together to talk about the latest in TV, movies, and trailers. And guess what? Things are popping off right now. We're doing like a million of these a week. We're doing them for Star Wars and or we're doing them for Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, Hot D. We're doing them for Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, and of course, She-Hulk. All four of them every single week. When we can, we're trying our best here. Just try to get by, all right? You can get by with us on youtube.com slash kind of funny where we record this live. You can also record it or watch it later as a VOD, also on roosterteeth.com. If you want to get us a podcast, search your favorite podcast service for kind of funny screencast. We'll be right there for you. If you want to get the show ad free, though, you got to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny, just like our Patreon producers, Fargo Brady and Molecule have done. Today, we're brought to you by Shopify and MeUndies, but I'll tell you all about that later. Um, Want to start this off saying this was uh, supposed to be the second time this group reunited. We are supposed to do uh, Star Wars Rogue One in review rewatch last week, but of course Anthony got hurt, so we didn't. Anthony went ahead that. and got hit by a truck. <sighs> you know, I you know. making everything about yourself. A fight with a truck at a bar, and so we could not. And I did not know when to step down. I get I get a couple drinks in me, and I'll fight any truck. Yes, yes. You're the Megatron of, of our time. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, but because of that, uh, we're a little out of, out of whack here, but we're going to stick to the plan, kind of. We're going to be doing our Andor reviews, but also next week we will be recording the Star Wars Rogue One in review. So stay tuned for that. Details will be out there on the Twitter, I'm sure, sooner than later. But anyways, that's not what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about Star Wars Andor. The first three episodes dropped on Disney Plus at a beautiful time of midnight Pacific. Um, Sage, I want to start with you. What did you think of Andor? I'm really enjoying Andor so far. I'm so glad that they released these three episodes. If they had just released the first one, this would have been such a hard sell. Uh, I'm going to come in real hot here and I'm going to say I'm not a big Rogue One fan. Um, Rogue One is not my movie. I don't particularly enjoy it. I finally found my people. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> okay. I really thought this was going to be a very controversial take. I'm so glad that I have a little backup here. Um, I'm not a Rogue One fan. It's not for me. So coming in, I was just like, okay, I think this can be the thing, though, that makes me give a shit about Rogue One. And I want this to be the case, and so far, so good. But my question for you, Tim, is uh, how do you feel about being the second Tim we'll talk about the most today? Oh, dude. Hey, you know what I mean? He's Tim with two M's, but they're not what you think. It's a whole thing, okay? It's a whole thing. Second most important Tim of mm -hmm. this discussion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know which one's more of a, a Weasley punk, but, you know, we'll have to we'll have, to have the, the Ooh, jury's out. There's some good ones. There's some good ones. But but yeah, what, give, give me more though, Sage. What what were your your thoughts overall on on it compared to the other shows or anything? I think it's been very interesting. Uh, they jumped in very quickly. It's uh, been very connected episode to episode. Each one does not stand alone on their own, particularly like, oh, this is the episode where this happened, uh, like most of the Star Wars content has been so far. Um, I feel like when you're watching through Obi-Wan or a lot of these, you're like, oh, yes, this is the event of this episode. Um, and these first three episodes were, I believe, one event. It was a, you know, let's get to know what's going on here, the world and the time that we're set in. And the people that we're going with. Um, and oh my God, Cassian's mom is so good. And Petunia. Marva's awesome. <laughs> those are my those are my initial thoughts. I think it's been really, really good so far. I think the setting is really excellent. I think it's looked beautiful. I think it's looked absolutely stunning. It's been very immersive and cool in that way. Um, and oh my God, Cassian's mom. <laughs> <laughs> Barrett, what do you think? Uh, similar to Sage, not the biggest Rogue One fan, uh, talked about that on, uh, you know, the first time we did Star Wars in review, all that stuff, and, uh, not to burn too much of the re-review that we'll do, uh, shortly, but a lot of my problems with that movie is it boils down to, I, I think it would have been a better show. I really love the premise, but I think there was so much to build up in that, uh, kind of premise to boil it down into two hours, like, kind of frustrated me, and that's why I was excited for, uh, Andor as a series, because I, I, I felt, going into it, I was like, maybe this will deliver what I was kind of looking for and felt was lacking from the movie. And in these first three episodes, yes, it's already delivering that in, in spades. Um, I, I kind of love just kind of not having a big event every single episode. It's like, yeah, they don't feel super distinct uh, against each uh, uh, against each other's the fir uh, these first three episodes. But I like that because it feels like a, a fluid first act going into the next part of his adventure when they when they fly off planet right uh i love how blade runnery it feels at the same time while not feeling too far away from 70s kind of original star wars feeling as well especially when you think of blade runner you think of cyberpunk kind of stuff you you think about the empirical forces that are like kind of oppressing people who are just on the street level and i think for the show that has this premise of Andor, who is just this guy trying to survive, I think it nails that tone so well and brings those, brings that aesthetic in to kind of back that up and reinforce that in really cool ways. Uh, I love the cast. Uh, you know, I love that they've set up these people who aren't super important in the grand scheme of the Star Wars, major Star Wars story, but I, they do such a good job of setting up the, uh, what I think is probably going to be the main antagonist. Uh, I, I just call him Nerd Cop. Um, I forget his name, <laughs> but he, that's who he is in my mind. Corpo Dorks. Yeah, yeah. Corpo Dorks. Uh, setting him up, even setting up Tim with two M's, but not where you think they are. Uh, you know, hating that dude. Uh, liking him at first and then being like, what are you doing, you weird, jealous 
uh, toxic uh, man uh, situation here. Uh, I was really into it the ent uh, entire time. Uh, the only uh, note I have here, hold on, let me find it. Disney Plus, please stop releasing uh, stuff at midnight. Please release at 9 p.m. That would be super sick because I can't stay up until midnight anymore. I literally passed out right before uh, 10, trying to stay up to at least watch one episode. Uh, passed out, woke up at 11.55 and was like, <laughs> okay, I'll just rest my eyes for a minute and then I'll uh, and then I'll get back. <laughs> and then woke up at 1:30 in the morning. And I was like, "All right, I just got to get up early and watch these three episodes." So, uh, please, Disney, think about it. Think about the kids, Carboni. What do you think? Uh, this is really, you know, we we ha we get a lot of Star Wars stuff that's marketed as this is going to be different, and you know, a lot of it, a lot of Star Wars stuff does have its own tone and its own themes and things like that. But this is the first show that I look at and I can see the showrunners and the creatives who are making it at work. <coughs> you know, you think about Tony Gilroy, uh, who's written all of the Bourne movies and also the seminal ice skating classic, The Cutting Edge. You didn't know that, did you? Did not, um, no. So he, uh, Tony Gilroy, of course, uh, is known for writing, you know, intrigue, espionage, things like that. And then you've got Sana Wallenberg, who just came off of Chernobyl for HBO. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that HBO house style kind of rub off on this. You know, the fact that these episodes are, they're sort of like, they leave you in an emotional place, but not a story place. Uh, that sort of, it's not clean. It doesn't have a full arc. It feels very much like an HBO series to me. And I, um, I've really, really, really been loving it. You know, I think, we, I think we've looked, this crew, we've all looked at every single Star Wars TV thing, and we've been like, is this the one where if I wasn't a Star Wars fan, would I be a Star Wars fan? And is it still Star Wars enough for Star Wars fans to like it? And I think this is the one where they're kind of threading that needle in a way they never have. Yeah, I, I'm really interested. I got to say, I'm not quite sold on being in love with this yet. I, mm -hmm. I feel like maybe my hype for it got a little too high in the last couple of weeks, seeing the trailers and like hearing people say like, yo, you don't need to be a Star Wars fan. This stands alone. This is more HBO than it is Disney+. Plus. And I feel like that that level of excitement, I don't think these first three episodes quite hit for me. Um, I want to be proven wrong over time. And I think that the, the show is definitely good. Like, I don't think there's anything mm -hmm. that is bad about it. Um, and I think that I'm, I'm having a good time watching it. Um, yeah. and, and then having these three episodes gave us, like, uh, I think, Carboni, you nailed it there. It's like less plot, more character, which I think is um, a strength of these type of shows so far, especially when we're getting into more obscure characters or characters that, like, I never really cared about, like Andor himself. Like, I, I do like Rogue One quite a bit. I, I don't think it's perfect, but um, I was uh, a fan of the movie overall. And I going into this, I was like, I don't know that I really care too much about it, like mm -hmm. in terms of a whole series based on on Andor. But so far, the direction they're going, I'm like, all right, I, I see this, and I think that it's going to turn into something special if they use their time correctly. But the thing I guess I'm a little bit let down on is that I don't think that it stands by itself enough, and I don't think that it's for non-Star Wars fans like at all. Like I like the reviews that were like, yo, this is just a good show period so far i don't think it's proven that like this is one of those things where gia gave up on star wars a couple shows ago like a couple episodes mm -hmm. into boba fett she's like you know what tim you can do this alone and i was like that's totally she didn't like the flashback tank she didn't she didn't i there was the the back to reference in this though instead of saying medic and there were several flashbacks but with no tank and it was very upsetting mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. We How am I supposed to know what's in the present and what's in the I, past? It, without no tank. neon green. 
Yeah, exactly. But I was I was thinking, I was telling her, I was like, oh, everyone's saying this might be the one. And she was like, watch it and let me know. And if you mm. want to rewatch it, then we can see. I do not think I'm going to be telling her to to watch this. Like, I think that mm. it's just still a little bit okay. too in the in the shit. And like, hey, I'm not complaining about. I'm in the shit too, so I'm there yeah. and I'm I'm hopeful. Um, but do what you just I, mean in terms of? Do you just mean in terms of like feeling and looking like a Star War? Because you don't really need to have previous knowledge to come in it's not one of those shows it's not like we're not waiting for like oh my god book of boba fett i've been waiting for boba fett for exactly. 40 years right yeah. and there's not going to be those tie-ins where you're waiting for a cameo or you need to yeah. understand why it is exciting to see a character in particular so exactly. far which Although is we, really we, great. we do know we're getting saw Gerrera, who's my favorite character in rogue one <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's not like, okay, Deception. well, let me take 15 minutes and explain Cad Bane Ooh, to you, and then we'll, you know. Exactly, yeah, Cad Bane with those lips. But no, that's you're, you're absolutely right, and so far it is delivering on that. But I do think that the the praise of like, oh, this is Star Wars, like you've never seen it before, I'm mm -hmm. not seeing that at all. It's like I'm seeing, oh, I've seen this before, I've seen this before. And I, I what I am surprised about, and I don't even mean this as a bad thing, is that there was a lot more comedy in this, a lot more like lighthearted uh, moments than I expected. And it is very sequel era comedy. Like the the a lot of the lines of like the he tailored his own suit and like mm -hmm. <laughs> the custom design, like that feels feels exactly like um poe dameron like prank calling the the ship and things like that which mm -hmm. like it's a vibe right and it's like it is they've defined star wars now can also be that so it's like we're, we're seeing some of it which i just didn't expect from this uh this show but yeah i'm excited for more of it and, and it having such a long runtime in terms of episodes i think is gonna uh make this one just by default stand alone compared to the other ones where if we were watching any of the other shows, we would have been halfway in at this point and been like, well, how are they going to wrap this all up? But it really does feel like we're, we haven't even started yet. And that excites me. It's yeah. funny because like there was something about having this two seasons of 12 where all of a sudden they, they became, you can feel that no one was nervous and they just remembered how to pace things again. Right. I feel like this, we've talked about it a million times and I don't want to harp on it before we get too far into everything, but We've talked about how this six episode thing hurts more of these Disney Plus shows than it helps because everybody's always trying to find their pacing and tone. And I feel like there's something about this that just made everybody working on it feel like we know how to pace this. We know how it goes. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say is I, I am really excited to seeing every episode ending saying like written, directed by um, Tony. Right. His name's Tony. Tony Gilroy, yeah. Tony Gilroy, where it's like, cool, I like when there's that consistent vision and kind of like these people are working on this. And I don't know if he's doing the entire rest of the season, but mm -hmm. the fact that this three-episode arc was presented the way it was, I thought there was a lot of con tonal consistency. And that is like, you'd hope the bare minimum for these yeah. type of shows. It's, it's like when Breaking Bad ends not the and, case. You, and you see that like created by Vince Gilligan kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You feel that. Yeah. I feel like they opened the show in a very interesting way, and I think that the a lot of the reference of, like, this is, like, an HBO show is coming from people seeing the opening of the show, like, with some rather serious, like, violence, which, like, you know, I put the, like, quotation marks because it's a Star Wars level of violence, but they really do have those a couple of immediate moments of, like, this isn't for babies. This is not your, you know, Clone Wars for your baby kids. Like, we're doing... <laughs> We're doing death in this. People die on screen. Yeah. Um, we've got the we've got the implication of potentially sex workers. Someone Maybe. takes and a even the off. implication of sex yeah. in general. Maybe the sex. What Maybe. I do love. Uh, God, I don't know if we're getting too far ahead of ourselves, but one moment that I do love is when they're trying to do like 
the sexiest sexy time that H that, you know, the HBO shows are always like, you know, 10 minutes in, we got to have something shocking and we got to have something sexy. Mm -hmm. And the sexiest thing they had was Bix removing her jacket to have a full outfit underneath. And yep. like, that was the, that was the version of a star Wars sex scene was just uh -huh. like, whoa, she took off her jacket. No one takes off their jacket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like people die in star Wars, but most commonly, uh, people that they are able to dehumanize, like stormtroopers die and people don't think anything mm -hmm. of it, or people die heroically in Star Wars. People Rarely die, blow darts. but it's like a mm -hmm. moment, right? And like yeah. uh, the blow darts and then also like there's the lasers, but it's the immediate killing of like a corpo. You know what I mean? That like opening kill yeah. where he's like, you you killed him. No, he's right. not breathing. You and, killed and him. And he didn't even mean to kill him, too. Right. Exactly. So it's that a very like non-Star Wars kind thing. of death is not a Star Wars thing. And the way that he has to process that, and it was performed by our hero, mm -hmm. which is also very interesting. And it's not like, oh, you killed the big bad, like we've all been rooting for. This was a guy, and nobody liked him. But like, damn, <laughs> like all of their reactions are kind of the reaction I was having, where they're like, you killed him? Shit. Like, okay. seems like seems like a lot, bud. Wow. Yeah. And also, it is cool seeing him, like, do this when we see his opening scene in, in Rogue One, right? Where, mm -hmm. like, he does a very similar thing, but it, that when we see it in Rogue One, which is That's later than this, it's a choice. And, like, he's, like he doesn't give a shit, right? So it's, like, yeah. I, I do like seeing the kind of back and forth. And to your point, Sage, about this being a little bit more grown-up feeling as opposed to specifically the the cartoons, the animated Star Wars universe. Like, it even besides the violence and, like, the sex, just talking about boyfriends, girlfriends. Like yeah. relationships between people like that doesn't feel Star Wars like there's been moments that we've seen it before but I like that this show speaks differently like I like we that the show kind of allows people to be people yeah we have constantly star-crossed lovers in Star Wars that's what yes. Star Wars does mm -hmm. the princess and the scoundrel and the senator and the Jedi and like all these you we love each other and we can never be but maybe we will be I don't like very you know very like that kind of stuff and the next this time is you like, see them are she'll you be fucking, pregnant yeah yes exactly. this is like <laughs> are you screwing this guy from work and it's like well maybe I don't know if it's a thing and you're just like Star Wars please. Star Wars goodness <laughs> please <laughs> uh real quick i want to keep talking about this but first let's take a word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by me undies we've all heard of gut instinct but have you ever heard of butt instinct it's when your butt tells you it wants new undies listen your butt. Luckily, we work with MeUndies, makers of the most buttery, soft, and sustainable undies, bralettes, and socks that exist. You know that I have lived my life, MeUndies, head to toe for the majority of the last couple years. I'm just all in on MeUndies because they are absolutely the most comfortable uh, clothes I've ever put on my body. Available in sizes extra small to 4XL. They have new colors and prints dropping weekly, so there's always something exciting to check out. You can try their free-to-join membership for free shipping on every order and exclusive perks like an item shipped to your door every month, secret sales, and early access to their newest stuff. MeUndies has a great offer for you guys out there. For any first-time purchasers, you get 20% off plus free shipping and returns. To get 20% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. That's MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. 
Shout out to Shopify for sponsoring this episode. Shopify powers our very own kindoffunny.com slash store, our merch store. And we love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. Shopify unlocks the opportunity of your business to more people every day, every 28 seconds. An entrepreneur like you makes the first sale on Shopify. Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. You can go to shopify.com slash kfgames, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash kfgames right now. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash kfgames, all lowercase. One thing I wanted to bring up that I really enjoyed is how much Final Fantasy VII vibes I'm getting from some <laughs> of the, the planets and cities that we got going on here. And I, I do like that the the main planet that we've been on, I forget the name of it. I think it starts with the K. Fenix. That's what it was. Ferrix. Ferrix. Barracks. It feels lived in. You know, it feels like this is a world that like we that we can believe we see people doing the mining jobs, which, by the way, I love that they're just treating like uh, the Empire just using like, oh, yeah, it was a mining, a terrible mining accident. That's just their go to to like cover shit up. Like, that's the mm-hmm. same thing they said about Jeddah in uh, in Rogue yeah. one. It's like I like that that's kind of becoming a, a, a thing for them to, to go back to. But um, I really liked the the worlds that we've seen so far and how they're familiar but different, right? Like, it's like it's not like it's things and locations. I mean, they technically are places we haven't seen before. They don't feel that different than things we've seen before, but they feel real. And it's not just a desert planet again, which is always nice. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this. I am a big fan you know that I'm I'm obsessed with the volume, which is the you know the LED dome, the way that they've been doing all of these shows. I think it's really wonderful. But we've we've talked before about how there are certain shots and certain things that that technology just can't do for you. And one of the things that we talked about is uh, you know a, a filmic look as far as like shallow depth of field. There's no way to pull a depth of field for a background that's flat, right? It's essentially a painting, no matter how much it's moving. And I think the fact that uh, Tony Gilroy and and Sana Wallenberg really uh, really said we want to do if we do this we want to build two full city blocks of this town and we want to get people running around in there and we want to do this you know properly there are volume shots in there mixed in uh, but they built an even bigger set than I think Boba Fett did and Boba Fett had some some practical stuff too and I think that really helps for the lived in look of course it also really helps that the production design is so on point the color themes and the way things look and you can just tell what sort of a job a character has or who their alliances are just based on kind of like the color palette without it being like wearing a big badge of like i'm good guy you know what i mean you just sort of get a vibe from everybody in the city and i think the production design just did a great job with that a question about the production design there and like the costuming specifically like we see the kind of like construction workers or whatever mm-hmm. the, you want to call them and like i feel like a lot of their outfits have that rebel alliance color scheme and like even yes. vibe of like the orange and the like the, the the tan i guess it's called uh but even seeing like tim with two m's not what you think um mm-hmm. like his little helmet like it looked like the rebel helmets and i was like what are they trying to like i are they really go events like this is the origin of the alliance? It's like well, that's kind of weird. They, 
they've always said that they don't the the rebel alliance doesn't have money yeah. right mm -hmm. the empire has money and so if the rebel alliance has money then or, or the rebel alliance doesn't have money then where do you find your uh your protective gear your helmets mm -hmm. your 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 work gear your things that are gonna protect you from uh from the environment when you're in battle a lot of that stuff crafts. probably comes from working class work. stuff yeah uh, and a lot of stuff that we're seeing now, a lot of these, you know, these factories that are making these things, you know, there are corporation names within Star Wars. People like like the X-Wing is made by Incom. And a lot of these companies are going to, just like any other galaxy or any, you know, any other planet, you know, country in wartime, they'll probably turn to wartime production, right? So the same company that makes your workers hard hats and your and your vests is going to turn into the company that makes your flight suits and your flight helmets during the war. Yeah, makes that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, in no way would I ever allow anyone for even a second to believe that Tim with two M's not where you think has anything to do with the rebellion. No, <laughs> oh, definitely Has ever not. done a single good thing in his life. <laughs> I will that say guy. his whole plan of action, not the best. You know what I mean? No. It's like, I, in, in pretty much any way, but specifically like his last living moments, it was like, all right, bro. Here's the thing, but of course. And I think that that was well done because he's garbage. He's the most boring <laughs> man in the galaxy. Yeah. He is the most boring man we have ever seen in Star Wars. Everything Tim. about him. He's just Tim. Yeah, he's just he's just no Tim. man. But if you were in Star Wars, we wouldn't consider just, you to have he, an exciting he, name. He's such a not like main character in that he's just like your very average, uh, you know, uh, slightly hides well that he's got a little toxic masculinity going on there with his like getting well. drunk and being <laughs> jealous that his girlfriend uh is like yeah, uh, man. hanging out with uh Cassian and stuff like that and not his girlfriend his she she says she's not his girlfriend okay well fuck buddy whatever you want to call Radiating it Star off Wars. Him from a mile away and so like you you have that going on and then he's just like well i'm gonna Call the nerd cops and, and narc on Andor, yeah. which nothing uh, can go wrong if I narc. Yeah, he's being a dork the entire time, and from the second he enters the screen, I don't know if I was as aware of how much of a look there is to Star Wars humans <laughs> until he entered the screen, and I was like, it's not that. That's not what Star Wars humans look mm -hmm. like. That is not correct. This is a dude, and he just wandered just onto the dude. fucking set. Like, he's just a dude. He <laughs> wandered on here, and they put a silly little cap on him. That's I just, it. Sage and I were like, his name is just Tim. And like we didn't, and we were like, are we able to... I don't want to make fun of Tim Gettys. Oh, no, because, I get it, though. Because Tim it. is a perfectly a perfectly good normal human name yeah but oh. if a guy shows up in star wars and his like everyone around him is bix and cassian andor with the exception of maybe a luke but luke's last name is skywalker like right. you can't just be nah, tim. just tim if just you show up and you're tim but, but the thing is, he's not just you. tim like they made the choice to give him two webs like they knew they knew how yeah. stupid it was well, he's <laughs> gotta be space stupid. tim Yes, yeah. of course. The space yes. is the second M. But like exactly. when you see him watching, and I'm just going to hey, jump to this hey, specific scene because we're going to write this man off and never talk about him again. Mm -hmm. um, when you see him watching, um, the two of them interact. And he's like, I'm going to get drunk over this and all these things. I'm like, dude, nothing happened. Like, it is such a banana scene to watch. And I also understand that, like, we've all met this man. But, like, I don't want him in my Star Wars. I don't want <laughs> these men around. I just can't imagine why he's there. He is such an unnecessary character. He's just there to narc. I think we could have had anybody else narc. He just shows up, acts like a little piss baby about his wannabe girlfriend that doesn't even want to call herself his girlfriend. 
And then he's just like, <laughs> I, swear, I swear, he he showed up, and I thought he was like one of those characters that's going to be like, hey, just got a letter for you. You know what I mean? And then like walk away. So in that way, they did a really, really wonderful job with Tim. Yeah. We were all like, what is this guy doing here? And he is the worst. And one of the things that I really love is we get to watch Tim get his comeuppance. Yeah. Oh, I just, God, I'm so I just called wrecked. the corporate <laughs> cops on everyone because I got mad. Are you saying that makes me wrong? Yeah, He's Tim. Touch hands, Anthony. That's a not even hands. Sex in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> not yeah. even hands. She doesn't take off her jacket for anybody but Tim. I don't know why no. he's getting mad. Yeah, <laughs> it's, true. it's true. I want to move on awesome, to though. the other nerd in the show. And we got to talk about Nerd Cop. And I don't have any character name other than Kazian in my notes. So if, if you, I, yeah, what is nerd, nerd Cop is Cyril Karn. Cyril yeah. Karn. He, he, and this is the, a, a quick note here. And this a is something I actually name. appreciated. It was hard for me to understand a lot of the show because a lot of people other than... What's his name? Nerd Cop? Cyril Karn. Cyril Karn has like a very particular accent. And it's like a detail that I love that it's like these people who are Eight local fish. to this place. And he is yeah. very much obviously like not from here. And the way he acts towards and decides to handle these situations, even his like superior yeah. officer who's like going to like go off and do something for a couple of days, like going against like how he wants to handle situations. I, I liked that little detail that he was like kind of like. His, even his voice, like, kind of solidified of, like, his relation to this entire uh, uh, system. He tailored his dungarees. Like, yeah. I know I know you consider I that, like a, like, a big goof, Tim, but, like, it also is so indicative of the character. I would not be shocked if we find out later on in the series that he washed out of the Imperial Academy. Mm -hmm. Oh, so and that oh, I have so many. He totally, and he thoughts. totally feels like yeah. he wanted to be a military hero, and he just wasn't good enough for, for mm -hmm. whatever reason. He fell short, wound up working for the for the space corpo cops, getting paid to be a security guard, and takes his job way too seriously. See, I Which think they like, show us so quickly. Yeah, yeah, like the way he glommed onto Mosk. Mosk <laughs> is the round. Mosk is the round piss baby. Um, the real, the real QAnon. The dude, real they're, Scottish they're Michael board. Scott and Dwight, dude. That's all they I can really think are. about the, the first man to ever, The other. first man to ever say shit in Star Wars, possibly. Boom. <laughs> we that made guy. it, everybody. <laughs> we did it. Uh, but yeah, seeing the way he immediately like grabbed on to Mosk being like, no, you're absolutely right. This is, you know, and Mosk is clear, like you're saying, he's Dwight Schrute. He's like, we've got to start a militia at the mini mall. <laughs> Who will protect, you know, who's going to protect Auntie Annie's cookies if we don't if we don't start a militia at the mini mall? It's like, yeah, fucking calm and down. Like, I, I'm going to be honest and, you know, maybe I'll regret this comment later. But I, I feel like they were they knew what they were doing when they made the actor who uh, plays a uh, nerd cop number one, like made him a lo look a little bit like Ben Shapiro a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, I just uh, so I think it was in episode three where I kind of put that together. I was like, oh, yeah, he's just major dork who just like really doesn't understand like the the struggles of actual people and just you know yeah. wants, you know like his speech at the end of episode uh the second episode where it's like a hollow speech about justice and like not completely talking out of his ass which was like <clears throat> so these dudes there's nobody that. i would rather chase down working class men with than you all <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is these dudes are looking at him like i don't know is there like is there cake in the break room later <laughs> like these are jobbers man like they don't care like it's fucking wild to me uh and i love that disconnect from him and the fact that he had 
no idea what he was getting into and how shell-shocked he got and how quickly he backed down when he was actually in it. And you were just like, Star Wars, ha Star Wars has a beautiful history of sniveling dudes who think that oh, yeah. they're, they're tougher than they are. Yeah. And mm -hmm. boy, it's, Cyril Karn is one of the best. And it, my <laughs> thing is, I think it's going to be the opposite. I think he's going to rise in the ranks of the Imperial like uh, force and not just the, the mall cops kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Because I, 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 you know, we... I have an idea of where the show is going, right? We know that across the these two seasons, it's going to kind of jump throughout five years and stuff like that. I forget how much time this first season is spanning. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, Kazian's going to do the job that we knew him to do in the Rebellion, right? He's going to do some, mm -hmm. some espionage spy shit. And I think the reason why we're introduced to this uh, character so early on as this uh, early antagonist is because he's going to be important when we do a time jump, when Kazian's like, trying to infiltrate the Empire, and he's also there. And I think he'll probably be picked out by a superior officer who recognizes that he totally blew up that situation in not a great way, but sees, like... This character reminded me of just like a Thrawn with no swagger and not the mm -hmm. same level of strategic thinking that Thrawn has. I think but it's I fair to say he's not as strategic as a Thrawn. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. He also, look, it's Fall important short. to remind us that not all villains have to be sexy. Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> and they did a great job a in this series yeah. by saying, hey, you don't have to want to sleep with all the villains. Yeah, and he. Were y'all also thinking? Were y'all also thinking that he would make, in addition to this, he'd make a great elf on the Lord of the Rings show? <laughs> he looks pretty elfy. Yeah, he has a bit of that look to him. I think he looked like a casting, like a Ryan Murphy casting. I mm -hmm. think he looks like somebody that would have been on Glee. Yeah, mm. he looks a bit like a, an American Horror Story kind of. You know, he's got that look to him. I. I yeah, I, I I could see that happening though, Barrett. Mm. I could see mm. that being the day that he screws up, and he, so he thinks to himself, "I will never screw up again." Yeah, that's yeah. exactly and, what and my thought was. Uses that as his like impetus to just just turn into or, a total it, pawn pawn yeah, of the system, but also to like kind Ron of pawn, uh, Ron pawn, <laughs> to kind of learn his mistake and like the you know his superior officer told him to like. You know, do balance it out of like have it be this accident, but not too tragic, not not anything that's going to get attention. And then mm -hmm. he does the complete opposite, where like his arc is going to be kind of learning how to weave that thread a little bit. Yeah, and, and I, I think that. that'll be a really if they if that's where they're going with him in in the way that I'm thinking, he's going to be a really fascinating antagonist uh, against Andor. I believe one of those yeah, characters like where by the end. One of those characters where by the end you're like watching the last episode of the last of, of the second season. You're like, holy shit. Remember how that guy started? I totally forgot. You know, like yeah. one of those things. I hope so. I really hope so. Because like I, I'm feeling it so far, but I do feel it's a little surface level and on the nose of like it I is literally just the things that we're talking about of like, yeah, like, hey, he's in over his head and he's, he is this proud boy bullshit, all that stuff. But it's like I feel like we've seen a lot of stories like that recently. And like, mm -hmm. I want them to do it like do something new like do like give it some twists so that's what i'm hoping like with what barrett's saying i think you, you could be right and like that could be an interesting take on it but like i, I want them to get there because i do feel like so far the show's reminding me a little more of halo on paramount plus than it is of an hbo show and i whoa, think whoa that you watched halo i did <laughs> you're I the did. only one i did yeah and i'm getting a lot wow. of vibes of, the, of that uh in this so far and 
that show had some good things to offer, but it also had a lot of like, all right, Ben, they're done that generic sci-fi stuff. And mm-hmm. that I feel like we're so a little stuck here uh in, in that more that vibe than like, oh, this is like a, a this is new sci-fi. This is something fresh. Mm-hmm. This is Star Wars, like we've never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the bad guys to me are a big part of that so yeah. far. Where it's okay. like, yeah, well, this is kind of an archetype we've seen before. And I think even in, in modern media, we've seen a lot of this take. But mm-hmm. um, I think that they've, again, done a good job setting it up that uh, this guy's going to be involved. We're going to get a lot yeah. more of him. And like yeah. how th- getting him out of the mall cop thing, I think is going to give him a little bit more room to like have a unique identity. And, and getting Cassian out of the, the local stuff and into the, mm-hmm. the spy thing, I think is also yeah. going to help with that. Well, as I well. think that's an that's a really important thing that you're bringing up, Barrett, is like we, Sage and I, when we were watching, talked about the idea that like Tim feels like a small town boyfriend who's dating the coolest girl and mm-hmm. so is trying to really like keep a hold of her, right? And like these these corporate cops, they're, you know, you're, you're talking about these security forces, you know, that that they feel like these, they feel like these cops that are hired by like suburban neighborhoods that just you know, drive around pushing around teens and things like that. So you really do feel like Cassian is kind of like a two-bit criminal in a small two-bit town, right? And I think I think that's why even though there's Star Wars technology there, there's a guy who like is very proud of the fact that he that he hammers the bell every morning to get everybody up. Uh, love you that. You know what great. I mean? It's so great. I love good. Him. He's so into it. Yeah, yeah he, I love that guy. Because so he I thought getting back out up. of oh, go yeah, ahead. I was just saying that I think that because of that, we were supposed to show, you know, Cassian is, is, has run out of friends. He's run out of uh, every chance that he has on this little backwater, whatever. And so now he's got to go out into the bigger galaxy. Um, and I think that is when things are going to get really interesting. Yeah. Even in, in episode one, they uh, do a really good job of making the ground kind of collapse underneath his feet, like very, mm-hmm. very early on. Just to, yeah. And then to slowly see that over the, the following two episodes, I thought was awesome. So she wanted to, to go back to anything to, the way that to Hammer guy I, loves I, I his promise. Hammers. It's the last time we're going to go back to Tim. Uh, but I realized that I, I wanted to read you, and I'm going to screen some of the profanity out of my notes here about this. Uh, but it says, uh, Tim is such a weirdo. I don't like him. All she was doing was talking to someone. You goddamn weirdo. Why are you watching her sleep? Is what I wrote down. Yeah. Watching her sleep. That's yeah. right. I forgot. We didn't talk about the scene where she wakes up, and he's sitting there like. Mm. <laughs> didn't like that. It's just like. If I, if she I just, asked him, he's like, I couldn't sleep. And it's like, so that's what you decided to do? So that's what you did? <laughs> so that was the only other option? But also, that isn't relevant. Like, I get that they were showing us more that he's a weirdo. But, like, A, he's about to die. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, the yeah. next time we see him, pretty much, he's going to get, a, you know, called out for what he did and then die. Why was that scene even there? We I get guess, it. Yeah. He's a weird little narc. He's yeah. a weird little narc. So odd. I watched that scene and I was just like, why? For what? Yeah. Dudes yeah. are weird, Sage. I didn't know if you knew that, but dudes are weird. Well, really, I, 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 I mean, liked it, how weird they made him and then killed him off because he continued to be a weird dude who felt like he needed to be the was, hero. Yeah. Well, it was well, it's funny if you, think of it, if you think of it as like coming from people that have worked on a lot of HBO shows and like you think about how over the top like creepy moments are in like some of those shows or even like you know you think about like some network shows like your breaking bads and stuff like that where it's like ew creep creepy creepy and it's funny because like they do still have to be disney plus and star wars which is why it's fun to watch this and see how much like they can get like an hbo show because the creepiest they could get is he's just gonna sit there and it's really weird it's really weird 
we wanted to do something even creepier, but we couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, palate cleanse, palate cleanse. We haven't yeah. talked about B2 Emo yet. We haven't. Oh, listen, when, when, in the, when in The Rise of Skywalker, Dio speaks, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, astromechs don't talk. <laughs> I, like, I was like, whoa, astromechs don't talk. I was he like, this is glasses first. I did. I, I, I got out my movie, my opera glasses that I had rented and I pushed them up. Uh, but you know, over after I got over that initial shock, I was like, Dio's very cute and sweet. No, no, no thank you. B, B two emo, B two emo, the saddest of the name. droids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's literally it's Sage. If she, if Sage was a droid. It's just a little yeah. red droid that's just like, what, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Just really concerned <laughs> about Kazia and loves him a lot. Yeah, just concerned about, just concerned about their friends. And then, you, like, hey, and then you realize, like, why, uh, you know, Kazian likes to be the one to keep around K2SO because he loves his sassy talking droids, you know? Mm -hmm. I, uh, I, this is going to be a hot take, I think. So far, you into this don't, don't say it to me. Emo, not for me. I, I feel like the thing is... We can't just be like, oh, this new droid, we gotta love the droid. We gotta be critical of our new droids being entered into our life. And is this new or is this just Wally mixed with Bumblebee from the Transformers movies? And I'm like, you know what? That's a combo that I don't think I need. I don't think I need it. Do I like the sage like qualities of this thing? Yes. Yes, I do. I'm not trying to take that away. But you like me, and my name's Tim. Okay. So it's like I feel like we, we the tit for tat there a little bit. But yeah, so far I feel like it's a little derivative and I, I'm not getting the 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 love vibes from from yeah, my boy B. I love him and I would kill everyone in this room and then myself for him. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. It's yeah. the difference. Uh, Remember when uh, he shocked the little pig when it peed on him? It yeah. Great. Yes. It was I'll great. I'll tell you this. I did feel like I, there were parts that weren't derivative. Yeah, I, I, she, she's, go ahead. I don't feel like it was entirely derivative. I do feel like for, especially a Star Wars droid, and we're looking at the Star Wars franchise where they have a million personalities of different droids that we've met now. I do feel like it was original in the sense of, it wasn't like, I make sassy quips. It was so genuine, and that's what it is for me. It was the heart of this droid not being like, I'm just a delicate flower that you want to protect at all costs, and not being like, I'm the tough guy that's going to protect everybody. It was just this like, He's kind of just a little guy. Yeah, yeah. acted very bud. much like a younger, like a younger brother. Like, and it was like he was looking at the droid. It's like, hey, do you remember what we're doing? We're leaving money for Marva, okay? And we don't touch it till like, you know what I mean? It was like, yeah. I can lie if you want. I have enough power, and it's just like you can oh, hear no, this little droid nice. being like, I don't like to lie, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like even later on when he's doing the like when he's figuring out the the comms and stuff, he's like. Can I just go with you and stuff like that? And you just like, oh, yeah. This little, oh, you're this right. You should probably. It's like, yeah, nobody should touch the money but me. You're right. You just shouldn't leave then. Like, it's just <laughs> very like little brother vibes. And I thought that was very cute. Um, so I guess why do you hate Star Wars? Yeah, well, that's what the, that's what the kids are going to say. That's what they're going to say. And I'm OK with that. I'm OK with that. We have. I will. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. Go, no, I was just uh, I was. I don't even know what I was going to say. Oh. Sorry, I got hit by a truck. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't talked enough about, I think, uh, Kazian, the flashbacks that weren't in Back to Tanks, and uh, the kind of, like, introduction to the relationship between him and Marva, which was kind of threaded right. throughout the first three episodes. Casa, yeah. His yeah. name is Casa. 
Yeah. So it was very interesting. Um, the planet that they showed, I think, was really, really fascinating. Um, I think that the like uh, child run civilization was very, very interesting. And I want mm -hmm. to know so much more about that. I found yes. that so fascinating. I don't want a whole show about it because I don't like watching children that much. But I do want to know so much more about these people that he comes from um and i think it was very interesting and i think they did a very good job of uh communicating it without us knowing the language anthony and i were talking about it at the time because we watched this together and it was like oh they're not subtitling this which means yeah. they're entirely relying on us understanding body language and the way that they're communicating with each other without and it could be, I mean, we're going to assume it's a stylistic and artistic choice to be like, no, you're just going to understand by these kids, like, gestures and movements that they care about each other and what the structure and the power is here. Yeah. But also, then they didn't have to translate a whole new Star Wars language. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, I think it's like they also don't want to give too much away, right? So I think it, it works because it's like you don't know who these kids are. You feel for them because they're kids living in the woods. You don't know what they're doing. Uh, and you don't know what they're saying because, like, they don't want you to know too much about Kinari and what happened on Kinari just yet. Um, but we know that these kids were left without anybody. We know the Empire says it was just a mining accident. We don't know what happened there. Uh, and we also know that um, these, I just, these kids with their little Lord of the Flies like society where they're wearing like cut up mining and like flight suits. And yeah. it was really, it was really wild. And it's, it's another one of those bits, those flashbacks where we got one of those moments that like, look, the whole reason Star Wars happens is because a lot of kids die. But this is the first time, like this was, I felt like someone really, like they showed somebody really killing a kid there. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not like, it's not like saber fires and we, and we cut away mm -hmm. or there's a saber hits somebody who's CG, like, in, uh, like who's Especially, CG and falls back. She doesn't really see it coming for the most part. It's kind of out yeah. of cold blood. And then you have to sit. I, I don't think it's in the same sequence, but then when you come back, you have to sit with the rest of their reaction to her death as well. Mm hmm. And the yeah. same point too about the the just like the kids and like the how good of a job they did of building like their narrative and all that stuff. Like I I loved seeing uh, young Cassian kind of like taking it all in, and they sat on that actor for a long time of just letting us see his facial yes. re reactions to everything. And it was like, oh shit, okay, like he's learning things and he's experiencing some of this and seeing so much for the very first time. So that when we end episode three and we get those like the back and forth cuts between him in modern times leaving the planet and him uh, before like potentially in a ship leaving for the first time. Right. I was like, this is really, really cool. And I feel like a really well-earned moment because we sat in those flashbacks for so long. Yeah. And it, it, I, I think they did a really good job of also like showing and not telling what kind of happened here and giving you enough to put the pieces together in a, in a, moment where we don't see a lot of Star Wars is when the Empire abandons a planet after they've taken it over and after they're trying to mine it for this uh, their resources. Like, we, we see that in some of the uh, other shows. We see that in the video games. Uh, I think one place uh, that really showcases it well in the moment, thinking about, about it on the ground level from the local perspective, is the Ahsoka book that uh, is kind of takes place, a, I think, like a year after Episode 3 when she's in hiding. Um mm -hmm. And they even talk about that of like the kind of the input versus the output from like the uh, empire perspective of like if it's worth it, if there's an uprising here, like should we just abandon this uh, project and stuff like that. And you really see the aftermath here where it's like I put like where you get that shot of him uh, looking at the, the mine. Right. And then there's like a 
I think it's the line where it's like, oh, a big mining accident happened there, and you kind of put together of like, oh fuck, the reason the they're in the Lord of the Fly situation is like because they're all local kids and their parents all yeah. died in this accident, maybe probably uprising, who knows? And uh, I, I just thought that was really, really well done, and I, I was impressive, like. You know, I, I wasn't rolling my eyes every time we went to uh, back to a flashback because I, th- I thought it was done very well. Um, yeah. And it wasn't yeah. in a back to tank every time. The brutality, I think, was also highlighted in the thing that did immediately follow the blaster to the back and that, like, teenage girl is it wasn't then stopped. He then realized, I just shot a kid, 100% had the time to process it, and then turned around and continued to fire at the rest of the small children up there. And I think that there is a level of, like, that having been an older enough kid that you're like, ooh, that was brutal, but then you just see him start firing at small children immediately after. Like, he yeah. doubles down on that choice um, when you didn't have to, which I think, again, like, really pushed us into what the brutality of this is and who Cassian ended up being. It also makes sense. I mean, he talks about in Rogue One, the like, I've been in this fight since I was six. Like, welcome. This is it. This is life. Yeah. Um, and that's the uh, moment that hits it. So uh, everybody runs away and he sticks around and goes into this ship, um, which uh, which I believe is, is, is a Confederacy ship. Like, they're not wearing, like, the, the technology looks imperial, but they don't look imperial. I think it's a Confederacy ship. But well, they um, were all yellow. They were all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but see Cassian go in there, and you get an idea of like how long these kids have been alone. Because Cassian's never seen a mirror. Cassian's never seen a computer. Cassian's never seen any of this stuff. Uh, and and it's wild to see it happen. Uh, and that's when we meet uh, Marva and Clem, who. Listen, I love Marva so much. Same. Marva just freaking rules so much. I, I was, I like the relationship. This was like the, the kind of one thing where I was like, I, I wanted more of in these first three episodes, especially now that we're, it seems like we're going to go off on an adventure and I'm sure we're going to get more flashbacks with her uh, and, and stuff like that. And so I, I, I wanted I felt a little wanting in in kind of building the relationship more in these first three episodes, uh, especially when like kind of in that reveal in the I think it's the third episode where it's kind of cutting back and forth and stuff. And you see that she was the one who took him off planet, which causes him to we assume to never see his sister again, uh, it, it, if that's what. Uh, we're assuming from the very first beginning of the first episode, that's yeah. what he says he's there to do is he's looking for his sister, uh, his sister. And he, th- uh, he heard of this woman who was from the same planet as him in hopes mm-hmm. that that might've been her. or Maybe it's, you know, someone who knows something ab- about his sister. Right. Um, and I-, I want them to dive deeper into that of like, kind of that effect on him of like kind yes. of uh, forcefully being dragged away. And I liked how that mirrored, in the third episode and the reason why they were cutting back and forth of it, right. Where you see the, the shot of him kind of looking out to space being, uh, driven by a uh, scars guard and then coming back to him as a kid being driven by Marva, um, where he's now in another situation where he's being dragged into, uh, 
kind of he's being taken somewhere where he has no idea what's really in store from him, uh, and he's also being taken away from a lot of people he cares about. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I thought that was really really cool and interesting. Yeah, and I hope they. Flesh I, it out I a little like. More. Yeah, I like the Marva stuff because number one, Fiona Shaw just rips. Like she just <laughs> rips. Okay. She's, Every she's, scene she's in makes the other person in the scene better. It's true. Everybody is better when they're up. Like there's a marked difference in everyone's acting quality in these episodes when they're up against Fiona Shaw. But the other reason that I like Marva is because even though we're seeing this sweet old like, hey, I'm your mom. You're my son. That's the way we've always played it. And that's the way we've always been. Cassian is very clearly aware that he was taken from, like, by her. You know, she sees it as saving him because she knew that the Imperials were coming or that the uh, Confederacy was coming. And he sees it as, no, I didn't understand what was going on and you took me. That and he was like, kidnapped. He was kidnapped. He was literally kidnapped. And so I'm interested in how that relationship is going to deepen, uh, you know, because we saw Marva kind of like, giving Cassian as much space as he wants to kind of fuck up, which is a very like step parent or adoptive parent thing, which is like, I don't want to tighten. I don't want to tighten my control over you too hard because I know that you don't think of me as your actual parent. Um, but also like she is a badass spy and the set or, or, or a scavenger or whatever. And the second, you know, a smuggler and the second, he starts tripping up. She starts going, here's what's going to happen. And here's what's going to happen. And here's what's going to happen. And you have to stop fucking up now. And that was kind of cool to see. So I think there are some layers between the two of them that are going to get really interesting. Yeah. Another character I'm really interested in seeing the growth of is the Skarsgård character. Like I liked being able to, to sit with him a lot longer than I even kind of expected in the, the, like kind of like, prelude uh mm -hmm. to him meeting Andor, where it's like we see him on this like weird little bus uh and there's that other old guy talking to him and like it's just having a normal ass conversation of like oh back in my day we yeah, could just drive straight the through the wasteland like and <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is this is kind of there's a novelty to this that i that i enjoy he's wearing, and then, a, he's wearing a real little old man hat too yeah, it yeah, wasn't even great. like a space hat yeah. he was nah. wearing like a little trilby yeah, he Great. just walked onto set. There, uh, they started shooting the scene, and the director's like, "Did he get through uh, makeup and wardrobe?" And they're like, "No, he totally skipped us." <laughs> now he but showed I, up like that. We found him in the park. <laughs> I like I like the setup a lot. And then once we got him with Andor, I thought that conversation was uh, a lot of fun and setting up a really cool action scene. Which honestly, we haven't gotten much of in these Disney Star Wars shows. I feel like a lot of times we're looking at it, and it's like there was that chase that never ended in uh, Boba Fett. But like, there are moments where it's like, "Oh, that." action scene was cool or this one was cool or whatever uh some of the mandalorian stuff definitely um like the that one episode with ahsoka um was really cool yeah. but um for this i appreciated the more like kind of they, they treated it like it was born identity more than they did a star wars thing where we get this like multi-level uh, arena and uh, we get the guys with the blasters like shooting down at them and then there's all the big metal things that can fall it was like this is just such a great like action set piece room like it felt very video game last of us of like we're in the monster closet deal with it i, I literally said to sage i was like i solved this puzzle in spider-man straight up straight up yeah I it's like that's what pulleys, it felt like i've i switched these trains around but i mean like that's what you get when you have when you have tony gilroy who's been writing born movies for doug lyman and is just like here like here's how you make an action sequence and there was a lot of tension to that room and there was also a lot of tension to luthan himself 
You know, the whole time I was waiting for Luthen to pull out that staff and do some like real, real yeah, damage. Oh, you're with that right. staff. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that would have been he, sick. We still haven't even seen yeah, the staff holding yet. it. Because mm. it's it's interesting seeing a character in Star Wars that has a staff is carrying a weapon from Go, but chooses to just be like spycraft about it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that so was love, very cool. Yeah, Luthen had the whole thing wired from moment one. He's oh, like, dude, yeah. rule number one, rule number two. I am yeah. a sucker for that type of rule, shitty dialogue. Rule number and they two, nailed it. make they your exit it. when you uh, when you enter. on the way in. Yeah, come on, oh, let's go. We will find out. We will find out later. I'm sure that because we know that Cassian's, we know from Rogue One that Cassian's relationship to the Rebellion is like, don't think the Rebellion are the heroes. We get our hands dirty. We do we do shit just like everybody else does. I think Luthen held him there in that shed, knowing that somebody was going to come and he would be forced to escape with Luthen. Luthen mm -hmm. didn't come for the star for the Starfinder or whatever. He came to get Cassian. And yeah. so I think he orchestrated that whole thing. Oh, a hundred for especially when he's And he's just Thor's goofy friend. Yeah. He's just the goofy friend. Uh, Who knew? And he's literally like Cassian is like he's in an interview for a job and he doesn't even realize it where you know he's asking like Cassian, like, how did you get this piece? And he's he like goes into detail of like how he snuck in. He infiltrated the Empire and it's easy because they wouldn't expect someone like him to be able to infiltrate that level of stuff because they're fat and they're proud and all of this. And like it was that moment where you're like yeah you just signed up for a job that you didn't realize you fit the bill for a hundred percent but you have the job buddy that's the rest of the show uh, i think I about really it like cool. victorian i think about it like victorian england where it's like you know you think uh something like you know where where it's like oh jack the ripper probably can't be somebody who's like high class and high society because high class high society people don't do crimes and aren't able to do that. We're just not built that way. And so I think of the empire as just being like, oh, but we're perfect and we're wonderful. And we don't, you know, nothing bad would happen and nobody from, you know, and you can just walk right in because it's like very classist and weird. And so they just get it like, I love the explanation of that. It's like, just walk in like, you know what you're doing. Nobody will ask you anything. Because there's also, I think, a fear when you work. We've seen that too. There's a fear when you work for the empire that's just like, I'm going to mind my own business because if that guy's fucking up, I don't want to be within 15 feet of him. Yeah. yeah. Just following Any orders. final thoughts on episodes one through three, Sage? I enjoyed these three episodes more than I enjoyed Rogue One ever um, by like pretty good leaps and bounds. Um, I think that they've been really, really fun. I think that this is an interesting... I mean, humanizing is a strange term to use for, like, literal aliens, but this is the most grounded and humanizing show for Star Wars yet. Um, and I think that it isn't the show for me for, like, non-Star Wars fans necessarily, uh, but it does feel incredibly different because Boba Fett and the Mandalorian were so connected and Obi-Wan was connected to the prequels. Even though this has obviously an incredibly important place in Star Wars history for Rogue One and into the originals, um, it feels like an individual story about real people and not about legends, which I think mm. is very cool. Carboni. Yeah, agreed. I I could go without seeing very much Empire in this at all. 
I could go with there being a lot of these, uh, a lot of these cops from, uh, from Ferrix. I could go with there being like a lot of these uh, private corporations. I would like this to be the series that it seems like it's going to be, which is uh, the story that tells us about what people have been doing on the ground the whole time, while the people who've been flying X-Wings and swinging lightsabers have been doing stuff. And I think that's something a lot of Star Wars fans have been asking for. Uh, and I think they've done this in a really wonderful way where you don't sit there waiting for the cameo. You know what I mean? I wasn't, I was never waiting for the cameo in this and they could keep going this way and I could feel that way. And I think that's the way that you build Star Wars for the next 40 years. Uh, and so I really love this. And I do love that they're, <laughs> it makes me laugh, but I also do love their hilarious, like we're almost like we're getting grown up. These, these two are going to hold hands. Like I love that they're edgy, like they swear. are. Like they said a swear, like they are kind of being more adult and a little darker and a little more serious, which I think will appeal to a larger audience, but without getting rid of everything that makes Star Wars, Star Wars to me, I, I, I really enjoyed this. I think, I mean, an extremely, extremely strong beginning for this show. Barrett, you want it to stop, but it just keeps coming. When it stops, that's when you really want to start to fret. It was pretty high. Yeah. It was pretty high. That, that scene was cool as hell. That was, that was cool as hell. Uh, that was yeah. Aunt Dursley. Aunt I Dursley know. was was delivering that getting dialogue. It, getting it, dude. Yeah, that was oh. that was fantastic. I I feel like you're right, Carboni. That this show doesn't make you feel like you're waiting for the cameos to hit. Yeah, I do feel like I'm waiting for this to to hit me as like this is a must watch TV show. I think that we're pretty mm -hmm. far from that right now, but. I think that they're have a they've set up a lot of questions that I want the answers to. I want to know more about the the home planet. And I feel like uh giving the amount of flashbacks and attention and building the secrecy around it, like don't ever say you're from there and all that stuff. It's like cool, you guys are building Star Wars for me. Like you're building a galaxy that can, like to again, your point, Carboni, like in 40 years, we'll be referencing this planet <laughs> and like it'll mean something to people, right? So it's like building new legacy, new characters, new worlds, I think is super important. And I think that these three episodes at the very least have proven that there is room, like we've all thought, for things that aren't lightsabers in the Star Wars universe. And I'm, I'm hopeful for them to continue down this path and that if this is an example of the direction they're going, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Not sure about this one. But I'm hoping. As always, Tim, guardedly optimistic Gettys <laughs> with his ends, But still, all the pessimism. It's Actual how it last goes. comment with the, the cameo thing, and that's why I, I think this is so good, is that you're, you're not waiting for the next cameo because you're invested in the moment. But at the same time, I think we'll get some, some nice surprise cameos uh, just naturally like where we're going uh, in this part. I heard of the, Howard the uh, Duck's in this. Uh, anyway, well, I, my guess, I honestly, Anthony, look at me. Our boy... Jimmy Smith is going to pop up at some point. Oh, yeah. You know, well, you got to oh, get yeah. the Smiths. I mean, yeah. we know that we know that Mon Mothma is showing up and we love Mon Mothma. We also know we saw in the trailer. The goat Saw Guerrera does show up. And that's all I'm waiting for. That's Let's all know. I'm waiting for. In the comments below what you're waiting for and what you thought of episodes one through three of Star Wars and or we'll be back next week with episode four and the recording of Star Wars Rogue One in review rewatch really excited for all of this but until next time may the force be with you bye